heard part of a video of an adult black bear breaking into a Tahoe area 7-Eleven, which went viral in 2021. In it, the poor videographer is hiding behind a counter, begging the bear to leave as it appears to sniff around a hand sanitizer dispenser. The video itself is pretty hilarious, but this interaction represents an unsettling reality for underprepared visitors to Lake Tahoe. The Nevada Department of Wildlife says that Tahoe bear populations are not only rebounding, but actually returning to their historical habitat. Even if that means your Airbnb is in the way, their return comes with increased opportunities for wildlife-human conflict. A California-based rescue service called Bear League is often the first line of defense for Tahoe visitors and locals when it comes to bear break-ins. They try to reduce the number of bears killed in what follows negative encounters with humans. Wildlife specialist Anne Bryant directs the organization and has 30 years of experience in the bear biz. She's here to bear all on the stigmatized species, as well as how bears are adapting to human encroachment and how we can coexist with them. Thanks for joining me. I'm Shelby Herbert, and I'd like to welcome you to Biotalks. This episode is part of an ongoing series about connecting to the biodiversity in our own backyards. I'm an environmental reporter and an audio storyteller, and I got my start in public radio. You can hear my work on NPR affiliate station KUNR 88.7 and the Mountain West News Bureau. Hi, Anne. Thanks so much for coming on today. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Shelby. It's great to be here with you. I'm really looking forward to having a chat about bears. Awesome. Thanks so much. So how are you guys doing this morning? I I heard you just got off the phones. I mean, people are encountering bears out there. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's been a typical fall morning. A lot of activity, a lot of phone calls all night long. Early this morning, we had a mom and two cubs in somebody's house. We had another bear under somebody's house trying to hibernate. We've had bears getting into bird feeders, bears getting into people's cars because they forgot to lock the door. It's been insane already, and it's just mid-morning. So it's going to be a wild few weeks until the bears kind of start to hibernate. So we're ready for it. That is wild. Tell me about like where we are in this season. I mean, is this a time where you expect them to be, you know, starting their torpor or hibernation or? What this is called right now is their season for hyperphagia, which that's when the bears realize there's a serious change in seasons. Their biology is telling them, you know, we got to get ready to go into the den. So we got to smash in as many calories as we possibly can in as short a time. So normally, Uh, Like in the spring and throughout the summer, they're foraging maybe four hours or lazy, so they take a lot of naps. But now they're actually out foraging and looking for food 20 hours a day depending on the size of the bear, between 25 and 35 to even 40,000 calories every day. They have to stack on as many as they can so that when they go into the den, they can just sleep away the rest of the winter. That's why we're, it's so busy and we're getting so many calls because the bears are out. People are seeing them. 
and you know, they're butting heads. <laughs> well, I, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, it's getting colder and we're like approaching the holidays and I'm definitely packing as many calories as I can. <laughs> oh my God. Huh? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So just from your recollection, like in the past few weeks, where are you guys getting the most calls? Do you keep track of that? Yes, we do. We keep track of all the calls that come in and it, it's pretty varied. We have a lot of calls coming from the South Lake Tahoe area, state line area in Nevada, uh, North Shore, Tahoe City, on over into Incline, up in Truckee. I mean, it's just everywhere. All the bears are in that mode now where they're just hell-bent on eating. And a lot of them are, are starting to find their dens. The ones we know about, of course, are under houses, unfortunately. They will find a trap door that's not secured and they'll open it and in they go and they rearrange things, unfortunately, and uh, sometimes bash into the heat duct or the gas line. It can get bad. We got a great big bear out from under a house yesterday in uh, South Lake Tahoe. Got him out, felt guilty because he was already all snuggled in, you know, and we had the snow. He's out in the cold, but he'll find another place. He'll probably just find another place under someone else's house. But that's kind of what's going on in there. They're going into homes where the doors don't securely lock real well. They have learned how to go around and check for windows and doors that don't have good locks. And they know how to just open them just like a human. The only thing is they're going in to raid the refrigerator, not steal the jewelry. So, but they make a mess. So these are the kinds of calls we're getting right now. Wow. Um, how big was this guy you found um, under the house? I mean, that's kind of... He was a big one. We estimated he was easily about 850 pounds. What do you do when you get a call like that? I mean... Well, we get a call usually from the homeowner who's hearing noises, bangs and clangs, and they realize there's something under the house and it's not just a little squirrel. So we know what it's going to be. And we go over, we send our team, check it out, find the bear and... Uh, if it's not a mama that has just given birth or just about to give birth, then we will scare him out. Oh, how does that happen? Oh my gosh. <laughs> they don't sleep into a deep state of torpor. They're real easy to wake up. And so we just crawl in there and shine our light, find where he's at. He's usually back in a corner. And then we make noise, try and get behind him or at least out of his way so we don't get trampled while he's trying to get out. He's going to be wanting out. We've invaded his den and he's not feeling safe. So uh, he'll come out and then we chase him away and then we have to secure the opening. Otherwise, he just goes down the street, sits and waits till we drive away and then he goes right back. <laughs> so we're on to him now. Try to be as smart as the bears are. It's not easy. But yeah, it's, you know, each case is different. It depends on the layout of the house. If it's right on a busy highway, we don't want to scare him and send him running. So you have to consider the circumstances of each event and then make a plan. Some days we do several in one day. Have you ever had any close calls? I mean, do they ever come up from their sleep and, you know, they're like, who the hell are these guys? They, they are surprised. But like I said, they wake up pretty quickly and they don't wake up mad. They wake up scared. But we have had them where they've come right up, you know, or one will come around a corner that you didn't even think about. And all of a sudden, there's a big bear right in your face, and you're on your stomach because these are crawl spaces. They're not basements. You can't stand up. But they've never hurt us. You know, I mean, they could. They're big, and they've got teeth and claws. And I mean, people think, oh, my gosh. But they are more afraid of us, believe it or not, than we are of them. You get used to it. You have to read their faces. And you can tell by how they hold their ears and what they do with their mouth as to are they scared? 
Are they, you know, upset? It's like you learn a foreign language while you crawl into a bear's den. You've got to understand the bear's language. Oh my gosh. I, I could not imagine. Massive respect for what you guys do. And you, you mentioned you've been doing this for about 30 years. What got you started in the, in the bear business? Well, back years ago, I've always been a wildlife specialist and worked with rescuing and caring for all native species. About 25 to 30 years ago, we started seeing more bears. And uh, then there was a killing by the California Department of Wildlife of a mother bear and orphaned her cubs because a tourist came and was afraid because there was a bear. And so the department back then, they just would kill them. There was no trash ordinances. Everybody just did as they pleased. And it was, it was just like total carnage on the bear. So we founded our organization with the intent to train people in every neighborhood and then get the calls to come into us because we're right here and we have boots on the ground. And then we can go out and help people rather than them calling and having the bears killed. So most people do call us. We get 23 calls every time one of the Department of Wildlife gets one call. So we get most of the calls and we're able to respond. There's a lot of times when we need help from the Department of Wildlife or Nevada Department of Wildlife. So we work with them when we need them, but normally we can just take care of it ourselves. We do not believe in lethal management. Uh, we believe that there's always a better way to do that. It doesn't do any good at all to kill a bear without fixing the problem because another bear is just going to come. And you got one bear dead, and now you're going to have another bear dead, and you haven't fixed the problem. We want to teach people how to coexist with animals. might be a little bit of effort for some people, especially if they don't like the bears, but it works. There are ways to coexist. Definitely. So around this time last year, Hank the Tank was in national news. Hey there, this is your host in post. For those of you who missed the 2021 Hank the Tank coverage or otherwise forgot, Hank was a 500 pound adult male black bear absolute unit. He stood accused of breaking into up to 30 Lake Tahoe homes in search of food. The California Department of Fish and Wildlife said that Hank had lost his fear of people. But there's a little more to the story. What What is your prescription for like problem bears? If, if not lethal force, then maybe something like relocation or I don't know, how would you approach those like unique bears that just... We don't believe in the term problem bears or nuisance bears. We think that's disrespectful. They're bears just being bears and all they're doing <laughs> is looking for opportunities and people give them the opportunities usually. But Hank was not even the guilty bear. So they were blaming him because he was so big. And, you know, oh, that big bear must have done it. But it was actually two separate mother bears and two juvenile bears that were doing everything that Hank was being blamed for. I mean, if they would have killed him, it wouldn't have accomplished anything except you to have this big, happy bear dead and still have the bears that were guilty out there. We also don't have a lot of faith in relocation because there's been a lot of studies, Nevada even did some on relocation, and it's been determined that unless it's a juvenile just dispersing from his mother young and out looking for his own territory anyway, that's really the only time that you can take them and relocate them and they'll just settle in. If you take a bear away from his home range where he's lived his whole life, he knows every tree, he knows where every body of water is, he knows where every berry bush is, 
you take him and bring him somewhere else, it's like, it would be like me picking you up and plopping you on the moon and <laughs> saying, okay, Shelby, go for it. You know, make a good living. Well, you're going to want to come home. Bears want to come home. And sometimes, quite often, they die trying. So it's a death sentence. It, it sounds like a happy ever after, but it really isn't. And we don't think that it's a solution at all. Thank you so much for that clarification. So kind of on that note of displacement, I spoke with a rep from Endow recently, and there have been increased numbers of human-wildlife conflicts in the Tahoe area and in the, in the Great Basin in general. You know, part of that is bears returning to their historical habitat. But the other part of that is human development. Is, is what you're seeing right now in your work with the these bare human encounters. Does that kind of line up with your experience? That's absolutely what is happening. There are more and more and more people coming into the Tahoe Basin. And a lot of them are, they're coming from the city and they have a city mentality. They're moving into a wilderness area where bears are an apex animal here. The presence of bears in the Tahoe forest is a good sign. It means it's a healthy forest. So we, we need the bears here and they do a lot of good things. But these people, a lot of them have not prepared for that. And they're scared. They don't understand the bears. They're confusing our black bears with grizzly bears. And grizzly bears are much more aggressive and much more dangerous. And we don't have grizzlies here at Tahoe. Nowhere in Nevada or California do we have grizzlies. But people don't even realize that. And our bears a lot of times are brown. So they think they're seeing a grizzly bear and they just panic. Uh, they're not willing to do what they need to avoid having a problem or they don't even think about it. Like I said earlier, some of the calls we had this morning were people who forgot to lock their door and they went on vacation. So it's a lot of complete apathy or ignorance or unconcern on the part of a lot of the people. And we think, educate them, just constantly let them know, okay, you're in bear country now. You have chosen to come into bear country, whether you're just vacationing or you're going to live here. You know, there's things you need to understand. I mean, when guests come, tourists come, we want them to have a good time. We don't want them to have a bear come into their kitchen when they're scared to death and they just want to check out and leave. But yeah, it's uh, more people and bears coming back in where they've always been and there's collisions. And it doesn't have to be that way. But that's kind of why we're here is to work towards solving that. And that's what the two Department of Wildlife do too. You know, they try and help people understand the difference between us is that they will quickly kill a bear. And we think you got to take a little more time to make people step up and do their part and let the bear live because a dead bear can't teach anybody anything. It's just like, okay, give the bears respect. Tell people, okay, they are there. They belong there. We want them to be there. We want you to be there too, but you have to be smart. And it's awful difficult for some people to be smarter than the bear. For sure, for sure. What are the most common mistakes you see people making in bear country? Shelby, there are so many. I think the biggies are unsecured trash, bird feeders, putting bird feeders all over in the yard. But bears, that's their favorite food, trash and bird feeders. 
feeders. I'm a birder. Like, oh, are any alternatives to regular bird feeders that are? Oh, anything, anything. Bears are omnivores. They'll eat anything. So <laughs> if, you're, if you're putting bird seed out, you're inviting the bear and oh. you're offering the bears a meal. So <laughs> you, you can still do it, but you want to get it away from your front door, get it out in the yard, put it out there late, put it on the ground, let the birds come and get it real quickly. First thing in the morning, they clean it all up and then don't put any more out. You can still feed the birds, but you can't right. just hang buckets full of bird seed. You know, <laughs> right next to your house. Right, exactly. You know. Yeah, I mean, the bears are going to take you up on it. So that's one of them. And then not securing the doors and windows and having trash outside, eating outside and leaving, you know, the leftover from your picnic. You have to constantly be thinking that there is a bear that's hiding behind a tree and you can't see him, but he's there and he's waiting for you to make a mistake. And it's worth his time because most people are ultimately going to make a mistake. They're going to unpack the groceries out of the car and leave the car open with half the groceries still in the car. They're going to come in the house and then they're going to make a quick phone call and they're going to forget, oh, I left the car door open and the groceries are in. When they finally go back out, guess who got the groceries? A bear is either eating or when he's sleeping, he's dreaming about eating. <laughs> so they are eating machines. And if you can constantly remember that, it's not like you have to focus on it, but let that be a guide in everything you do. You aren't going to have any problems. Sure. Do that, a giant raccoon, pretty much. <laughs> well, they're more intent on eating than raccoons are. But oh my yeah, God. I like to compare them with a, a chipmunk as far as there's <laughs> <laughs> they're always hoarding and they're always, you know, gathering up and eating and eating and they're scared. They will run away, just stomp your foot, throw a pine cone at their rump, yell at them, get out of here. You know, they, they're big, scared chipmunks. Don't be afraid of the bear. Make the bear afraid of you. Because if you're afraid of the bear, you're not going to do anything right. You're going to run and hide in your closet and the bear's going to think you gave him your territory. Whereas if you stand up to him and you're territorial and you're aggressive, he's going to respect you and he's going to leave your property alone. But too many people have been told to be fearful. And that is what's causing the battle to be lost because people that are fearful are not reacting at all appropriately and the bears are taking advantage of them. Kind of looking back to those, these newcomers to the Tahoe area, maybe even, you know, tourists who they, they are afraid and they might not have the level of appreciation for this animal's role in its ecosystem or even by itself. What would you say to this person? We have a lot of that, Shelby. Call me. I'm just so afraid. I am just scared to death. I'm too afraid to even go outside now. I, one person had just bought a house up here and the oh, no. real estate agent didn't mention that there were bears. She should have known, but mm. she found out there were bears and she was so scared. She was going to sue the real estate agent. You sound like a really nice person and I'd like for you to stay here and I want to help you. And so we would talk on the phone and I asked her to go on some bear calls with me. She was too scared to do that. But I just kept kind of talking to her and she was a super nice person, but she just had a total phobia. And she would call me and just ask some questions and we were friends. And one day she called and she was completely different in her countenance. 
And she said, you're not going to believe what happened. She said, I finally got brave enough to go out in my yard and sit in my chaise and I was reading a book. And she said, you had me to where I could at least do that. I wasn't just hiding in my living room. She said, all of a sudden I heard a noise and I turned and looked and coming down the path was a great big bear. She said, I froze. I went into a state of fear to where I couldn't even breathe. And I'm trying to think, what would Anne say? What would Anne say? And all of a sudden, a little squirrel ran in front of the bear across the path started right in front of the bear saw the squirrel jumped up while he was in the air made a 180 landed and ran out of my yard the squirrel had scared him away and she said i laughed and then i realized i don't need to be afraid of these bears they're scared of a little squirrel i'm not going to be afraid of them anymore and from then on she's been just fine sometimes you have to experience it i mean it doesn't do any good for me to tell people don't be afraid they're not going to hurt you you know just be sensible they have to get used to it. And once they do, they develop an appreciation and then they can comfortably go hiking and, you know, be outside. You just, you've got to put that fear aside and enjoy being here and it can work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I think this is a great note to close out on. I have one more hardball for you. Um, I just wanted to know, so you've, you've worked with two different state agencies that manage these natural resources that manage the wildlife. Do you have any, any parting thoughts about how that's going? Like how well are, you know, state governments um, dealing with this issue? <laughs> <laughs> I, I see changes and I've seen recently, like within the last five years, some amazing and really encouraging changes. Uh, on the California side, rather than give a depredation permit just like that, super easy, it has to be investigated. Person has to have done everything possible to avoid having a problem. Um, if the onus is on the person, they don't just give out depredation permits and kill bears anything like they used to do, which was very easily. Nevada is doing a much better job, in our opinion, as well. Um, so I think the state agencies are realizing that really by killing bears and making them seem like a nuisance or like their lives are not valuable, you're not teaching people to respect them. You can't teach people to love them. But you can ask people and you can insist on people respecting them as being a fellow cohabitant of where, you know, we all are. And I think by reducing the numbers of killing and only killing when they think it's just absolutely the bear did something egregious, but to just kill them like they're mosquitoes, that gives people the wrong message. So I think both states are kind of stepping up on that and they're realizing that they're going to actually make more progress. If they tell people, look, we're not going to just kill bears for you. You have to do your part and you have to do certain things to dissuade the bears from wanting to be a burden to you because they belong here. Like I said, we've seen some definite progress being made, some really good people in both departments. I, I think it's only going to get better. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Anne, as well as um, all of your efforts over the past three decades to conserve this amazing keystone species. It's just such an honor to be here with you. And you've done a really good job on getting some of the points out. I'd also like to say we're always here. We have a 24-7 hotline. We have a lot of information on our website, but we're happy to help. 
we're here. We handle the whole Tahoe Basin. We've got teams, 250 trained people that can respond to bear calls. And if we need to, we bring the departments in to help as well. So, you know, we got it covered. We're here for you. Thanks for joining me today, folks. I, for one, was devastated to find out that bird feeders can attract bears. Check out the links in the episode description for further enrichment on living in bear country. Stay safe, and don't forget, they were here first. I'm Shelby Herbert, and this is your cheerful reminder that you inhabit a dying planet. Don't stop talking about it.